With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller & Condon. Live from the DraftKings Sportsbook and Wild Rose Studio, this is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Welcome back, Miller and Con in Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. 20 minutes away from Zubin Mahente from ESPN. Momentarily, Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News. We'll go around the NFL with Vinny. Take a look back at Wild Card Weekend, ahead to the Divisional. Uh, Vinny's located in North Carolina, Carolina Panthers. Did you see what they had to give to Matt Rule to make him... Seven years. You were telling me both, not just the years, which 60 million financials are nuts. Matt Rule, seven year, potentially a $70 million, 60 million, 70 with incentives. Oh, Matt Rule. So 60 is not enough. Here's another 10 if you hit a couple of. Numbers along I'm, the way. Yeah, the landscape is changing, no doubt about yes. that. Well, we'll see if that was the right move or not. We're going to talk to Vinny about that. We'll get into the divisionals, as we mentioned, the changing landscape of the NFL. Like it or not, Brady's a topic. Uh, he's going to be a topic until mm-hmm. the decision is made, and not just here, uh, around the country. It's a big, big story, and we won't ignore it. And we're also going to talk Jeopardy with Vinny. He's a three-time winner. Let's see if he's ready. Vinny, Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on, Vinny Iyer. How are you? Uh, doing well, uh, yeah. Getting ready for uh, Jeopardy as well. You have to. I mean, it's a yep. three night event. I mean, the playoffs are only two days, so <laughs> this is a three night event. So we'll be ready, uh, and uh, can't wait to see what happens there. Uh, should be pretty good on uh, both fronts this week. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, let's do Jeopardy first of all. As we've told our audience numerous times, you are the smartest guest that we have in our Rolodex. You're a three time Jeopardy champion, Northwestern grad, and. You know, Vinny, apparently this was taped in December and some of the offshore bookmaking actually had a, you know, you could bet on who was going to win it. And apparently it leaked out. Now, I haven't seen any leaks. I don't want to spoil it, spoil it for anybody. Um, but if you had to bet, Vinny, who would you put your money on? Who do you think's going to prevail out of the three greatest Jeopardy participants, Ken Jennings, Brad Rutter, and James Holhauser, uh, who we just saw, the kid from Vegas, who just cleaned up? Who would you put your money on? Well, right now, the guy that has never really lost, unless it's involved the computer from IBM Watson, has been uh, Brad Rutter. So you have to go with him until you see otherwise. I mean, uh, it's weird that also you can bet on something that's taped. Right. Um, But when you think about that, that's where you have to go right now. And I think the question is, who's number two? That's what I'm looking at going in, because Ken Jennings has kind of uh, lost some luster once they've done the All-Stars thing. Mm -hmm team events that he's not necessarily looked at as the greatest player anymore. So maybe he has a chance to get back in here and uh, do some damage. But uh, with James Holzhauer, just his uh, nature to be uh, aggressive and 
know a lot of things, uh, and maybe that can help him as well. I think we know with most of this, uh, when it comes down to the best players, who gets the daily doubles and who takes advantage. Mm-hmm. You know, Trent and I were speaking uh, we were, when we were going over what we planned to do on the show today when we when we kicked off the program. And, you know, it, it dawned on me, and you can tell me this is none of your business, Vinny, and I'd be perfectly fine with that. But my question for you is, I, we've never asked you this. So when you won your three games, do they give you a check as you're walking out the door or... How does that work, Vinny? Do, every day, do they, you know, they write you out a check, they take out the taxes, or how how did that work? How did you get paid, or is it none of my business? Well, I can't ex- exactly remember uh, first, but <laughs> I think it came in one check. I don't think it was one of those oversized lottery checks. We wondered about that uh, too. Yeah, wanted, yeah I've, I've always wanted one of those, but I haven't had one of those. So I think it was just your standard check, and uh, and they do the taxes thing, and then you take it, and it's yours, basically. So, And they also give you some uh, free product. I don't think they have the same type of sponsors now, but I remember getting a whole bunch of uh, pancake syrup. Home, <laughs> <Did> so, <you? laughs> I think I had a lifetime supply of uh, Aunt Jemima for a while. Uh, nice. So I ate, ate quite a few pancakes that year. Oh, good stuff. Vinny Iyer joining us from the Sporting News. One more on Jeopardy, and we'll get into the NFL here, Vinny. And, and Jesse, you mentioned Jeopardy James, the way he played the game. So much different, the aggressive nature, going after the daily doubles. We've seen this in the past, but he took it just to another level. There are people out there that think that he has changed Jeopardy for the worse. Do you subscribe to that line of thinking? Well, I think uh, in the end it's a game show and something that uh, people want to watch and absorb, and the people jumping across the board, it is sometimes tough to watch, I'll admit. As as someone who likes to play the game and watch it and absorb the answers, I, I think there's different ways they can do that. I think I may have talked about this with you guys before, but maybe they make a progressive jackpot where if you can go down and get the last one in a uh, category, if you go down the line, you get maybe a little extra bonus for that last one. So there's maybe ways to change that to force people to to go in a different way because there's been so many books written about the strategy, and it makes sense. If you're jumping around, you're looking for the Daily Double. Those are the most important assets because they're the uncapped uh, answers, so to speak, that they have no value where you can go up to the maximum there. So I think that's why people do it. And then if you get it, you also take it away from someone else and having that opportunity. So that makes a lot of sense. I sometimes see, however, the Daily Doubles being in odd spaces or being way too easy and helping uh, those players. And uh, I, that, that's my only concern. It's such a random thing that people are going after. I think there would be it'd be better to add a little bit more whoever's the best player, not this weird element uh, going on with one big wager. Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News covers the NFL. We'll get to that right now with Vinny. And Vinny, you know, the games this past weekend, wild card weekend, the NFL just had to be doing cartwheels at the end of it. Two overtime games. You had the Patriots going down and maybe the end of that dynasty, and a lot of people are talking about that. The Vikings upset. Even the finale, the Eagles and the Seahawks, the Eagles have a chance late in that football game. So four really good ones. But most people came out of wild card weekend talking about the Patriots and understandably so. So is the dynasty over? What's going to happen? Does Belichick move on? Does Brady move on? What's going to happen, Vinny? Does Brady move on? And is Belichick maybe uh, going to take some time off? How do you see the Patriots in 2020 as we sit here on January 7th? Well, I think this is interesting. This is a team with a lot of variables. They just lost a key coach, Joe Judge, taking the Giants job. We thought 
Josh McDaniels might be leaving, but maybe he is too. But the Browns still need a higher coach. So they lose two assistants like that after losing Matt Patricia and Brian Flores and Chad O'Shea last year. That maybe there's starting to be some brain drain from the Patriots who we haven't seen in the past uh, as frequent. I think it's been a while, but we saw it maybe back in the day with Charlie Weiss and Romeo Cornell and the changes they had to make there coming off the early Super Bowl run. So we saw that. The Patriots had a little bit of a dip in between. The other teams stepped in, the Broncos, Colts, Steelers, and won some championships, Ravens as well. And then they had to work themselves back up to being champions. So really some people look at the Patriots dynasty as six rings over this many period of time, but really it's two separate little runs that they had. So the question is, what do you do to define the Patriots dynasty? Is it Bill Belichick and Tom Brady together? Is that what we know of the Patriots dynasty? Or can it still be extended if it's Bill Belichick by himself? So this kind of uh, kind of reminds me of the 49ers, that they had that wave there with uh, George Seifert and Steve Young and won championships there, and you would call that an extension of what they were doing there with uh, Montana and uh, Bill Walsh for sure. So there's a lot of parallels there between that situation Brady having to make a decision, possibly like Peyton Manning did in 2012. So we've seen Emmett Smith in a Cardinals uniform and O.J. Simpson mm. in a 49ers. Tom Brady in a different uniform. It's going to look weird. Unitas in a Chargers. There's another one. Well, speaking of those Chargers, that's one of those teams. The Bears are another one talked about, and I know that hot rod Ryan Pace said they have their quarterback and Mitchell Trubisky still maybe an upgrade there with Tom Brady. Where do you think it would be if it's not New England What's the stop that makes the most sense to you? Yeah, in this situation, uh, and I compared it to a little bit like an NBA player, where NBA players kind of dictate what's going on, like Kawhi Leonard, where he's going, yeah. who's going to play with him, or LeBron James. That doesn't happen in the NFL very often because those type of players simply do not become available. And Granted, Tom Brady's not in his prime, like uh, Kawhi Leonard is, can uh, dictate things that are around him as much, but still you know that if he's on your team and the competitor he is, if you put him with a pretty good supporting cast right now, he's going to take advantage of it and help you win games. So he's going to have an appeal for a lot of teams. Even if you got a young quarterback there, maybe say, okay, we want to give you some time, young quarterback, try to develop a little bit. We want to win a championship now. The Bears, we know, have been pretty aggressive about their window here with the Khalil Mack trade and some of the other free agency moves they made. You could say the quarterback uh, play really held them back for the early part of the year. They couldn't quite recover from it. So look at that team with a good defense like that, or you look at the Chargers where Phillip Rivers had a really bad season turning over the ball. They have a lot of offensive talent. They rebuild their offensive line a little bit. Very good defense. They can win now. So Brady's going to assess all the situations if the Patriots are not the best situation. So they have to prove to him that that's the best place for him to win. And, uh, they got to feel that Brady gives them the best chance to win. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out between both of them, but a lot of variables on both sides. Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News is our guest. Vinny, San Francisco, Baltimore, Kansas City, and Green Bay. The ones and the twos, they're all hosting games this weekend. Which one of those four home teams is the most vulnerable in your mind? I think it's definitely Green Bay. I mean, you look at Seattle, not just because... Seattle being a very good team, 11-5, and five, just barely the runner-ups in the NFC West, but just that matchup in general. I mean, you saw 
a few years ago, it was a tough matchup for uh, Green Bay up in Seattle, blowing that lead, blowing a chance to get to the Super Bowl in the NFC Championship game. So there's that. Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch have some history in that matchup that's in their favor. But we also know the Packers are operating in a different way now with Matt LaFleur, Aaron Jones, the running game. Uh, built a little bit better for the playoffs right now with the running game and defense. So a little different, but it's still going to be a challenge there. I think if we look at the four teams remaining, I think the Packers, when you look at their body work, have been the least impressive at times, uh, kind of grinding through games. Uh, you, look, you think of the game against the Lions uh, where they basically could have a walkthrough for a top two seed. It was very hard to beat them in Week 17. So you're hoping they find some consistency and come out of the gate because Seattle is going to come in. They're very tough uh, mentally and physically going on the road. So it's going to be a fun game. I think it'll be the best game of the weekend. Hmm. Looking forward to this divisional round, what we're going to see. Coaching changes out there, too. Let's go to your stopping grounds, Carolina. Matt Rule gets the money. Ken mentioned that. Just a ridiculous amount of money, upwards of $70 million if he hits his incentives here. What's the excitement level there in Carolina? Didn't feel like this was going to be the place that Matt Rule ended up. I think there's this excitement just for new possibilities. I think people looked at Ron Rivera and fine, they got to the Super Bowl years ago after the 2015 season, but kind of inconsistent, didn't make the playoffs every year. That's what they're looking for, but it's really hard in this league. Part of it is uh, figuring out your personnel. Like, what are they going to do at quarterback? What are they going to do to fix their run defense? So in a lot of these cases, when you look at some of these coaches that have had early success, you look at Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace was aggressive, made a lot of moves for him in this first season. Look at Doug Peterson, Howie Roseman made a lot of moves to help Doug Peterson. You look at uh, Matt LaFleur this year, you had uh, Brian Gutekunst make a lot of moves to help him with talent. So it has to be a hand-in-hand thing. I think we always look at, is this guy a good coach? But we sometimes don't think about, is this guy a good coach to work with the personnel guys that we have to get our team in position to win? And that's ultimately what it comes down in all these situations. you got to have a good partnership. So that's what the Giants will be looking for for Gettleman and Judd. So we'll be looking for with Rule and Herney here in uh, Carolina. So all those things have to break right here for a coach to be successful. A lot of times they don't, and uh, that's when you get the coach fired. Uh, Vinny, we have 30 seconds left. Vinny R. from the Sporting News. Uh, your mock draft is up your first one. Uh, know that that will change as the uh, as the events click off the combine, etc. Uh, you're also you ranked the free agent quarterbacks. Here's my question for you in 30 seconds. Week one, uh, Soldier Field, assuming the Bears have the home game. Who's under center for the Bears in week number one of the 2020 season? Well, I think it's Mitchell Trubisky versus the field. I mean, that's I'm going to go with right now, but, again, it depends on all that comes about. But if, if there's going to be one team aggressive looking for a quarterback that can put them over. I think uh, the Bears are one, and the other team that I watch out for is the Buccaneers. They were improved defensively a lot, yep. and the quarterback also turned the ball over quite a bit. If that team gets any consistent quarterback play, that's a team to definitely watch making some noise in the NFC next year. Vinny, we will talk to you a whole bunch between now and the Super Bowl. We're grateful for what you do for us. Thank you, Vinny Iyer. Enjoy Jeopardy the next couple of nights. The greatest of all time. Vinny Iyer joins the program, three-time Jeopardy champion, Northwestern grad, and columnist for the Sporting News. He covers the NFL. Vinny, thank you. Have a good one. Good to talk to you. Vinny Iyer uh, joining us as we talk the NFL. Well, Trent, right now it's time to help one of our listeners. Hopefully now there has been a winner already yeah. in the building. WHO got one right away. I think they got the first one of the week. Yeah, it was, it was 5 a.m. 
Well, let's get it done at KXNO. Come I'm on. I'm all for it. Time to pay your bills with iHeart and 1460 KXNO. Text the keyword TAXI. Right now to 200, 200. That'll give you a chance to win $1,000. That's taxi to 200, 200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Around the world of sports with Zubin Mahente from ESPN. Next, Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 14. All right, welcome back. Miller and Cotton in Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KX. around the world of sports we go with Zubin Mahente from ESPN with some college basketball, do some NFL and some other sports topics that are percolating. Zubin, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on, Zubin Mahente. How are you? Good. On Lamar Jackson's 23rd birthday today. Happy birthday, Lamar Jack. 23 only 23. Years old. That's nuts. Crazy. Heisman, an MVP coming his way. Isn't Joe way. Burrow like older than him? I believe yep. it must be. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Joe Burrow is old. Yep. Unreal. Well, we'll see Joe Burrow on Monday night. Uh, Zuba Mahente, great way to segue. Unbelievable quarterback matchup, if you will. Lawrence Burrow. Trent and I kind of talked about this yesterday a little bit, and I don't think there is a right answer. Who, who has the edge at the quarterback position on Monday night? Mm. I'm going to go with Burrow, even though all the conventional wisdom seems to say Lawrence, just because he's done it on the biggest of stages as a true freshman against an Alabama juggernaut that he made look like anything but an Alabama juggernaut. But I just seem to think that Burrow is rewriting the SEC record book, and that's probably a little more impressive than rewriting the ACC all-time record book, although there's been some good ones at Florida State and Miami back in the day. I'm just going to go with Burrow. Both have incredible weapons. Both have had some leakiness on their defense. But right now, just with the way LSU is playing, 50 on Texas A&M, steamrolling Georgia, steamrolling Oklahoma. And I know Clemson fans would say they just haven't had the opportunity to steamroll that sort of competition. I just feel like LSU is like a snowball going downhill with no way to stop. With all due respect to Clemson trying to become the first program in 40 years to win 30 straight games if you take out some of the uh, you know incidents with USC, and I don't exactly know where they stand in the Bush-Leinard era with a lot of the vacation uh, due to Reggie Bush, but they're going for all-time status, and that's how I'd look at it. LSU is going for single-season greatness, the best single-season team arguably in the modern era, whereas Clemson is going for multi-season greatness and it's just a matter of when those two collide, which one comes out on top. You know, you look at the matchup, the head coaches of both of these programs. LSU with Ed Orgeron, a Louisiana guy, he's got the gruffled voice, but he's a guy that was known more as a recruiter. On the other side, Dabo, not really known as some kind of great innovator on the offensive or defensive side. They're about building a program. It's not just about X's and O's with both of these guys. Is this going to perhaps maybe lead to more people looking at the head coaching position in college football in a different way. It doesn't have to be a guy that can just sit up there on the grease board and, and write out plays. It's a lot more than that. Oh, yeah, Trent. I would say it's like, like the NFL. It's all about leadership. You saw the guys that got hired today. I don't know whether Matt Rule is a great X's and O's guy or he's a great culture and leadership guy. I think I would be more comfortable stating the latter after what he did at Baylor, and I think that's what NFL teams are looking for. They're looking for somebody that can lead them. Could Jason Garrett lead the Cowboys? I think no, and that's part of the reason 
that he's gone because Freddie Kitchens lead the Cleveland Browns. No, I think that's part of the reason why they're gone. I wouldn't question each of those guys' football acumen, but it's about bringing the team together. And it's the same thing with Dabo Sweeney. I mean, Dabo Sweeney sat there about a decade ago in Terry Don Phillips' office, the old Clemson athletics director, and he said this a million times. He thought he was summoned into the office. He thought he was being called in to be fired. And he was called into Terry Don's office, and he said, we're sticking with you. We believe in you, and we'll see what happens. I couldn't have imagined at that point he would have a $93 million contract and Hmm. possibly overtake Nick Saban as the best coach in college football, running the best program in college football. And it's the same thing with Coach O. Coach O was 10 and 25 at Ole Miss. This is his second go-around, and he said numerous times that he learned from his first one. He learned to delegate. He was going crazy when he was coaching Ole Miss, smashing Red Bulls and screaming at position coaches and doing all these things that a wiser, older Ed O realized aren't necessary. So I agree with you. I think this is much more about tree-topping and being a leader and almost being a CEO versus being a head coach. I certainly think you still need the X's and the O's because if these two teams are evenly matched as people say they are, then obviously I think scheming and schematics is going to be a big thing. But yes, I think in terms of building a program, you need a guy with a clear vision. And I think you're seeing that in the NFL. And it's definitely trickling trickling down at least to the major rungs of college football. Uh, Zubin, let me ask you about the Patriots. Um, Do they have another run in them, perhaps, uh, and if they do, is it with Brady and with Belichick? I mean, if, if Brady comes back, they have to get him more weapons. It would be quite a story if that's the way this thing turns out, right? Because most assume that Brady is gone and maybe Belichick is gone. And if they're not, regardless, the dynasty has finally ended. But what a way to, you know, to complete the book. The final chapter is for them to get back to the top of the mountain one more time, which I could see happening. Will we see that, Zubin, or how is this thing going to end? Do you think? Brady's played his final game as a Patriot, and if so, where does he play his final game, period? I think I'm more along the lines of I think he's going to come back to New England and I think they're going to get him some help. And, you know, we said this on we said this over the weekend, and if you are one of the most accomplished players of your era and you have accomplishments too long to list, and every player that's ever played with you and has gone to another organization or has played with you and has stayed has the utmost respect for you. The last thing you would think somebody like that would want is to feel wanted. <laughs> it's amazing. And if you saw Bill Belichick on Sunday at the season-ending press conference, for the first time in a long time, uh, he gushed about Tom Brady. Nobody's more respect for Tom than I do. He's an icon to the New England Patriots. That's just something that publicly hasn't been stated that much over the 20 years, they did come together for the NFL 100 show, and Bill was full of praise for Tom in that particular environment. But it's amazing to think that a guy that has done that much, according to all sorts of reports, just wants to be able to do things on his own and to be appreciated. The fact that he's a free agent for the first time in his 20-year career tells you everything you need to know about the way Bob Kraft feels about him, never letting him hit free agency. Obviously, when a push came to shove with Garoppolo and Brady, and if you believe all the reports that Belichick wanted to move on with Garoppolo, and Bob Kraft stepped in the way. Uh, Bob Kraft did some pretty interesting comments over the weekend, understanding that for the first time this is out of his hands, saying he hopes and prays that Brady returns. I think he will. I think he'll get the weapon. Um, you know, Mohamed Sanu, as much as I love him as a Rutgers guy, having mm. gone there, that didn't turn out to be a great move for them at the end of the day. And so I think they do need to figure out what to do. I don't think he's going to go to another organization. I don't see this as like a Johnny Unitas, Joe Namath, Joe Montana 
Brett Favre, try to go somewhere else type of situation. I think at the end of the day, he'll be back with the Pats, and they'll be determined to get him the help that he needs after the evidence is clearly, abundantly and clear in front of them that they couldn't do it this year. You're still going to have the best coach of all time, teamed up with arguably the best player of all time, in a division that's not ready to pounce. The Pats are still, in my opinion, well ahead of the Jets, well ahead of the Dolphins. And I'll be honest, the Bills have made some strides. They played the Pats twice incredibly tough this year. They look great on Saturday for long stretches. But they just, until they do it, until the Bills can get over the hump with their own 23-year-old quarterback, I'm not willing to go there. So I still think the division is theirs for the taking. Uh, They're still head and shoulders above everybody else. And if they didn't think they had the help this year, it struck them in the face. I think they'll get Brady what they need. I think he wants to end his career there. And I think everybody will kind of have cooler heads prevail. Look, it's a great story for ESPN. It's a great story for you guys in talk radio. March 18th, the countdown to free agency, which is actually much later this year than in years past. It could dominate and engulf the entire sports discussion, Brady's free agency from now until March 18th, day one of the league calendar year. But I just don't see it happening. I think he stays, they get him some help, and they continue on the way to 45 years old. When you look at the four games coming up this weekend, Zubin, a lot of intrigue locally. we got three of our four regional teams still alive with the Vikings, Packers, and the Chiefs. What's the one game for you? Look, you'll be able to watch every single one of them, as I think most all of us will. But is there one game that maybe has you the most intrigued going into the weekend? Yeah, I mean, I think the game that has me the most intrigued is uh, Green Bay, the last game, mm. Sunday afternoon game. Because I just don't know how good they are. They got the two seed, but I, I, you know, and as good as Aaron Rodgers has been, Matt LaFleur, first Green Bay coach in franchise history, and they've been a couple of good coaches, as you know, over the years, to win 10 games in his first year, that's never happened with any Packers coach. I just think you're in a situation here where I think deep, deep down, you know, and again, games, one game is one game, but, you know, I think the 49ers know that they're probably not scared of the Packers. I think the Seahawks aren't scared of the Packers. There's something about the fact that Aaron Rodgers, I wouldn't really say the bounce back year, even the game of the Vikings, no touchdowns to clinch the division. Yes, they finished in second. Yes, they got the bye. It was a very sort of shaky win over Detroit to get that bye. I just don't know how good they are. And that's why I'm most intrigued by them. I do feel Seattle could probably beat anybody on the road, even though they're banged up because they got rough. And the 49ers have home field for the first time since 97. And I think the Chiefs and Ravens feel pretty confident about where they are in this particular round. But just with the Packers, I just don't think. Remember the beginning of the season, LaFleur and Rodgers not on the same page, and then Rodgers didn't play in the preseason. And I still don't think he looked like vintage Aaron Rodgers this year. The numbers in terms of wins and losses, it seem to say they're back after missing the playoffs the last two years, after missing it for two consecutive seasons and getting the two seed. It's hard to nitpick and say they haven't done a good job, but I just don't know how good they are, and I don't know how scared I would be. I would be much more intimidated, even though you know it used to be you couldn't win a game at Lambeau Field until Michael Vick came in there and won one. I think I'd be much more afraid to walk into Kansas City, Baltimore, or San Francisco and then walk into Green Bay this weekend. Interesting. Zubin Mahente, ESPN. Zubin, one more in the NFL. I do want to get to college basketball uh, with you at, su- at some point here. What were the uh, some of your colleagues, some of the analysts, the NFL uh, analysts saying after the end 
uh, of the uh, the Minnesota New Orleans game. Kyle Rudolph, I mean, clearly pushed off. Yes, there was contact both ways, but it was clearly a push off. Irony of all ironies, it's back at the scene of the crime from last year's playoff, which instituted the the rule change on PI. Uh, what were they saying? Did were they? Um, dismayed perhaps that the NFL looked at it as quickly as they did and decided to, you know, Al Riveron just gave it the thumbs up. Meanwhile, McCauley and your guy, John Perry and Sterator are all jumping on Twitter saying that that is clearly offensive pass interference and incredulous, quite a couple of them, uh, that they wouldn't overturn it. What was the view inside of Bristol? Yeah, we had John Perry on Sports Center Sunday when we were on, and he, yeah, he basically said it was offensive pass interference. I heard Mike Ferreira and Fox say the same thing. Um, I just think it, it sounds crazy because of the way technologically we live today. I, I would be all for just eliminating instant replay if it's going to continue like this. Um, I think Al Riveron is probably going to have to take the fall for this. Somebody's going to have to take the fall since week ten. Nobody essentially has been happy, and basically no calls have been overturned. All three calls over the weekend, whether it was Ford with Buffalo, the Wentz hit, the, the one-year referencing Ken, I just think at a certain point, if you're just going to uphold what the officials say, why go through all of this? I would be totally for eliminating instant replay if this is the way it's going to continue. I know during the on the field before the game, Pereira had said that he ran into Mike Zimmer and Vicky Wilf the Vikings owner, and they were complaining to him about a call in week two against Green Bay. They were still upset about a call in week two at Lambeau Field. So I would be for eliminating it, and I think it's fair to say, hindsight 2020, that the rule was just ramrodded in. It was just short-sighted. It was done to basically appease one fan base. And I think uh, had they been had the opportunity to do it over again, I mean, think about how hard it is for 24 NFL owners to agree on anything. Right, And this one went all the way through, um, and I think it was for all the wrong reasons. And you're right, serendipity, it comes back and it happens in New Orleans again. But under the current structure, I think you, it's never going to happen. I don't think they're going to strip replay. But for the enjoyment of the game, I think it would be a lot better uh, if indeed we just got in or got out. And like I said, I don't think we're moving backwards technologically. But for my pure enjoyment of the game, I actually wouldn't mind seeing that. <laughs> Last year in college hoops, it was the year of Zion. Zion getting ready to come back in the NBA. This year has been, I guess, number one teams going down, but not a whole lot else. What's it going to take here through conference play to get college basketball back to the forefront of sports fans' minds? Probably to have football and just hope for the best. This year just has not been good. I was no. talking to one of our analysts the other day, and it's not Zion. There have been plenty of years where Jimmer Fredette and J.J. Redick and Adam Morrison and Tyler Hansborough and Trey Young have carried the sport. You don't need a Zion-like player. All those players are dominant in their own ways. And there just hasn't been any player that's looked like that. I mean, could Azubuke look like that every game if he wanted to? I think he probably could. But I was talking to one of our analysts the other day. I said to him, who's the player of the year? And I, and I just threw out Peyton Pritchard. And he was like, yeah, yeah I think it's Vernon Carey. I was talking to our guy Chris Patola. He just has some in the hallway. But the idea that there was just no buzz to our conversation, mm, you know, I just yeah. ran into him and I'm like, look, people don't want to watch LeBron at 10.30 at night anymore. They ain't going to stay up and watch Peyton Pritchard on the West Coast right. either. And you just get to a point where you have to look at it and say, no Wiseman. Uh, Anthony Edwards is playing tonight on ESPN. We'll see after the game on SportsCenter. They're playing Kentucky with John Anderson and I. But that's going to be one of the very few opportunities you'll see him uh, on ESPN. Uh, 
you know, you have uh, LaMelo Ball and R.J. Hampton playing. Not They're not playing college basketball. So you have extracting guys like Wiseman, talented guys choosing to play in Australia, nobody stepping to the forefront. Um, it's in January. There's no debate over player of the year. There's really no buzz, even though, like you said, Trent, all these number one teams are falling. I think instead of looking at that in years past, we would look at that as unpredictability in college basketball is crazy and there's no gimmies on the road. I think it's actually boiling down to more, there's no more great teams, which is why so many teams are just cycling in uh, at number one. So I would agree. There's just something about this year that has just not captured the imagination. You know, one of the best players in the country is a guy named Obi Toppin. He plays for Dayton, another guy you're not going to be able to say he's off the radar. So I would agree. There's just something lacking. And I know obviously for you guys with Iowa State, there's yeah. been kind of a gut punch this year. But even on the national scale as we watch it and I talk to our analysts, it's tough to get him fired up, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's interesting, Zubin. And I think, uh, you know, with, with your own belief that Peyton Pritchard is the player of the year, you know, you ask 10 college basketball fans, how many would get, you know, where he plays at even? I, I don't know, 60%? But it's, it's a valid point. There's, you know, the, the, one of the marquee brands, right, Kentucky or a Duke or whatever your marquee brand is, doesn't have that guy this year. Pritchett went crazy against Michigan. Remember Trent and I coming back and talking about that on a Monday? I think he played well. Uh, didn't they play Gonzaga the overtime at one point? I want to say they did uh, in Atlantis. I think it's the maybe the lack of star power as much as anything. Right? Individual star power I'm talking about. No question, because think about it. For all the other guys you mentioned, for Duke or Kentucky, those are just one-and-done guys, whether you want to right. latch on to Carey or you know Tyrese Maxey. Pate Pritchard was on their 2017 Final Four team. You know what I mean? Mm. This guy has been around the block, and so it just exacerbates what you're saying, Ken. This is a guy that stayed the full four years. Maybe that's detrimental to his cause. Who knows? But this is a guy that stayed the full four years, essentially, um, is a well-known player, has gotten better each and every year, um, and even he is having difficulty getting traction. But I would also say this, and this is probably one thing that hurts Peyton Pritchard, and it's not his fault. Somebody ran into me the other day, and great stat, Listen to this. In the entire 2010s, he had 40 opportunities to get to the Final Four, right? The Pac-12 had one, using the football stat, <laughs> they had one representative the entire Jeez. decade in the Final Four, and that was actually that 2017 Oregon team uh, that I mentioned. So he's probably a great player, tucked up in the Northwest, but also playing for a league that when college basketball kind of hits its apex, and everybody starts watching on Final Four weekend or Champ Week of the tournament, that's a team and a conference that really hasn't done much to help Peyton Pritchard. Of the 40 available Final Four spots, the entire conference, which consists of Arizona and Oregon and UCLA, some great, great traditional programs qualifying once in the entire decade, and that obviously doesn't give players like Pritchard a chance to shine. Zuma, we're running close uh, to the end of the segment here. Who just uh, who who is the best team in college basketball? January seventh, subject to change, and it will. But today, who's your best team in college basketball? I think it's Duke, and I'll tell you why. And I understand they lost to Stephen F. Austin, but if Trey Jones would have scored right there instead of that silly giveaway and an amazing finish by Stephen F. Austin, taking nothing away from Stephen F. Austin, but if that had just gone Duke's way and Trey Jones scores, Duke's undefeated and likely a unanimous number mm-hmm. one. Had that just five seconds of situation at Cameron Indoor Stadium gone differently. So I'm going to say Duke because of that sort of play, that sort of crazy freak ending. Had that gone Duke's way, I think it would be clear that they would be an across-the-board number one 
And I don't think it would be debatable right now if Duke had a zero on the loss count. We will recap the national championship game with you one week from today. Zuba Mahente, thank you for what you do. Appreciate you coming on. See you next week, thanks. Talk to you next week. Zuba from Bristol, ESPN Rutgers grad. Uh, we will talk to Zubin next week. Wanted to talk to him about his Rutgers. I like this team. They're pretty good. Michael's got a squad, Trent. He throttled Nebraska. Yeah, Is this game going to be closer than you think? We'll talk about that when we come back. We'll get Trent to go on record here. Hawks, Huskers tonight. Big Ten Network has the television at 8. WHO down the hall, 1040 WHO, has the radio call. They go on the air at 7. Miller and Condon come back to wrap things up on a Tuesday. Des Moines Sports Station, 14-6. Lottery. Millery Con in Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, with you for the next few minutes. Murph and Andy come your way today at 2. Fanatics slide on in here at 4 o'clock. Well, Trent, three of the four in-state hoops teams are all in action tonight. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Panthers, uh, they will host Indiana State. Loyola of Chicago pays a visit to the Knapp Center. That game is on CBS Sports Network. And, of course, the Hawks and the Huskers at the Pinnacle Bank Arena in downtown Lincoln. How many of the three are victorious when we reconvene tomorrow morning? What are we talking about? Two and one, three and oh. Two out of three. Two out of three. Who gets beat? Not the Panthers. Okay, then it's down to the Hawks or the Doggies. Doggies get it done. Okay. It's, huh? I will lose this game. You, why do you say that? Is this just a Hawkeye fandom in you coming out? Too banged up. Mm-hmm. Road game, mm-hmm. back-to-back roadies. Nebraska's due. They played better in Pinnacle Bank overall. And you know what? It's funny you say that they're due. When I watched this team, they pounded Purdue. They did. Purdue's not good. No, they're not, and especially not good on the road. I watched them Sunday night in mm-hmm. Champaign, and that was embarrassing. Bad. Illinois is okay, but not to that extent. Um, Nebraska should have won uh, in Assembly Hall. Uh, didn't they play there? Yeah, they did uh, over in Indiana. They should have won that basketball game. Yeah, that one went to went overtime. To overtime. Yeah. And they had a shot. I remember. Mm-hmm. I thought they were going to win at the end of regulation. They can score a little bit. A little bit. They're going to be hitting threes. I think that we can sweep the board. 3-0 for the state. I think that they can sweep the board. I think the most... I think Drake's in a... If there was one... I don't know. We'll we'll see. Point spread say that. Because it's really tight, right? I was up to an 8.5 point favorite now with Bill Hill. That might be a grab-the-points opportunity. It feels like a lot. It does. If, if especially, as you said, with the roster is depleted at it is going C.J. to be. C.J. Frederick doesn't play. They do not have a guard available off the bench. Was was McCaffrey asked about that about his status yesterday? Yes, yeah. And what was the answer? It was a, a non-answer. Yeah. A non-answer, but reading between the lines, I don't think he's going to be mm-hmm. able to make it a go. We'll see. He'll go through warm-up certainly tonight. Connor, Need a more Friday night when Maryland pays a Oh, visit. no doubt. Yeah, big time. Yes. In, in a big time way. But regardless, you got to win one of these two games. Indeed. Speaking of that Maryland game, uh, we've got an opportunity to win four tickets. Now, it's not to the Maryland game, but it's the week after. Hawks are home the next two Friday nights. This week, Maryland. The following week, Michigan. If you would like to win four tickets to see the Hawks host Michigan, simply go to kegsano.com. Click on the contest tab. There you'll see the win four tickets. Uh, and we're asking you to 
predict the total points in the Maryland-Iowa game this Friday. If you're closest without going over, you'll get the four ducats to see Michigan on the 17th uh, at Carver-Hawkeye. If there's a tie, we need you to give us Luke Garza's total points and rebounds. Again, closest without going over. KXNO.com. Click on the contest tab. Doesn't cost you anything to enter the contest. Um, and there's four tickets, all of them together. Not like one guy's going to be over here, not none of the other gal's going to be over there, whatever. There are four tickets all together to see Michigan, courtesy of our friend Dr. Stephen Fuller, fullerdental.net on uh, East 29th Street in Des Moines and Southwest 8th Street in Altoona, accepting new patients in 2020 and making it possible for four of our listeners, or certainly one of our listeners and three of his or her guests, to make their way to Carver Hawkeye on the 17th. It's an 8 o'clock tip. Pretty good uh, slate of basketball, not just the in-state schools. We mentioned Ohio State, Maryland tonight. Mm-hmm. Purdue Could, Rutgers. Purdue Rutgers, Georgia hosting Kentucky with Crean squad. Mm. Maybe a chance of an upset there. How about Baylor, Texas Tech? Yeah, that's a good... Now, what time is that? 8 o'clock. Oh, too bad. Villanova's at Creighton tonight. Creighton's good. Yes. Creighton's not bad. They're fun to watch. Mm-hmm. They pounded Nebraska. They did. A lot of good basketball to watch. I Was that Creighton. Thanksgiving weekend? Sounds right. Or maybe. the weekend, somewhere around there. Maybe it was championship weekend. But it was, uh, yeah, obviously non-con. So, as Trent mentioned, lots of good hoops. We'll recap tomorrow. David Kaplan is with us for the first time in 2020 as well. And a little hoops for me tonight. Hoover Dowling Catholic. On the radio? We will have the good. call here right after things wrap up. Uh, we will go right at 8 o'clock with the Huskies and the Maroons. Good stuff. Murph and Annie at 2, Fanatics at 4. Wednesday will start as it always does with the morning rush at 6 a.m. Miller and Condon, 10 to noon, 1460 KXNO.